0: Hennessy Files podcast series, proudly presented by Aloha Surf Manly. Welcome in, everyone, to the Hennessy Files episode number four. Today I sit down with Aussie pro surfer B. Derbage. The Queenslander had an incredible career spanning 13 seasons on the elite tour. The man they called the White Fijian excelled in the high pressure arena of the WCT, claiming three tour victories, a Hawaiian Triple Crown title, and a runner up finish to the World Crown in 2008. His consistency made him one of the toughest opponents to beat on tour, and it is that skill set that sees him now continue his love for our sport in a coaching role. So welcome in, Bede. How are you going, bud? Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy. Legend, um, let's talk about, first of all, your current role at Surfing Australia and how that came about and what are you up to with it?
1: Yeah, my current role at Surfing Oz is uh, elite program manager. And the main part of it is, yeah, getting ready for the Olympics 2020, but it obviously uh, got pushed back to 21 now, so rejigging and um, restructuring everything for next year but uh, yeah it's been two and a half years since I started and in January 2018 so yeah went straight from pipe basically had two weeks off and then kicked off here and yeah it was definitely a a shock to the system I would say uh, going into a full-time job from being a pro surfer uh, my whole life basically from school and Yeah, it was definitely a big shake-up with things, but no, really enjoying the role now and settled in and and, uh, learning a lot about working life and ways to get the best out of myself in a a new uh, expertise.
0: With the the actual HPC Centre, now that you're a big part of it, how important is that for our future development of our next level, our next generation?
1: Yeah, it's what Surfing Australia, um, how it sits in the whole network i guess is yeah it's the governing body and um branches down into the states and then into the board riders and and uh yeah what we have here is a um, team of coaches and then and also support in uh physio and snc and um yeah different resources and amazing training facility here but uh we're a decentralized model so kids um depending yeah where they're at some of them if they're in the TID talent ID program they'll come up a couple of times a year and then the coaches uh, will work with their coaches and and their uh, parents and and whatnot and um, you have those touching points of seeing how they're tracking and seeing where you can add value and and then obviously it goes through the program of up to the pro juniors into the QS where we have different camps and then ct and uh, then the olympic team so yeah there's a big category of surfers in in different uh, levels but we, yeah we try and do our best to add value where we can to each different individual
0: the qualification for the olympics how was that worked out like there was a there was a squad wasn't there and then you sort of it went on rankings but there was other sort of bits and pieces that went into it is that correct yeah so we first formed or
1: we first had our first olympic readiness camp back in january 2018 and we had pretty much all the ct surfers uh, boys and girls and then uh that a couple of top qs surfers as well just to um have a big wide group because we didn't know who was going to make it and the um it had actually hadn't even got formed like how you qualify i don't think by then and then they took 10 surfers from the CT and then 10 surfers from the ISAs, which uh, came from the 2019 rankings. Yeah, so last year we saw Julian and Owen get picked in the boys and Steph and Sally in the, in the girls. And, yeah, we've got our four, four surfers now and it's an amazing uh, talent group there. And, yeah, they're fired up to, to do their best in Australia Proud.
0: Do you bring them all together at certain times to not only train but to get ready for the Olympics?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've had uh, three Olympic camps here at the at the center, and uh, the first, yeah, they've actually got smaller as it's gone on. The last one this year in January was just those four surfers and and their coaches, uh, Louis Egan, his coach, and Julian, and Jake Paddo's coach, and Steph. Uh, they came as well, and and then the whole support um, staff and. Yeah, of Surfing Australia and everyone involved in in that um, campaign was all here and spent a couple of great days together and going over things, a few training sessions down the beach and, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing time and just, yeah, seeing how hungry those four surfers were to
0: get after their dreams. Take your professional hat off, put your surface hat on. The current crop of Australian servers, people talk about, you know, they feel like we're not at the peak of our powers at the moment. At the moment, the Brazilians are dominating and they're dominating for a reason. They're unbelievable. But out of our current crop of servers, who are you looking at from a competitor side that will be the next one to really make an input in a world title?
1: Yeah, it's a crazy era, the Brazilians uh, going through right now with those three surfers and then the rest of the guys too, there's a lot of other talent behind, yeah, Italo and Felipe and Gabe they're kind of like, yeah, Mick and Joel and Taj when they were in their peak and I guess um, yeah, we had that crazy cycle with the Aussies and and now I guess they're almost veterans, Julian and, and Owen and, and then you got Ryan Callahan and Wade and Ace Sparkin, and we've got like this year, I think there's 11 Aussies on tour, which is amazing. Like up from eight last year, so we're really, I guess, making a point of getting the numbers back. And now it's just kind of hopefully all the Aussies um, band together and get that Aussie mongrel going again, and can um, yeah crack into that into the top five where it's kind of yeah owned by the Brazilians at the moment. But going down the list, I guess to the the next generation, the younger ones, uh, there's a really good of guys like in their young 20s um like Jack Robbo obviously Ethan Ewing Morgan Sibley I think uh, they're super young and they're hungry to climb that ladder in the rankings and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they all push each other and and learn off that the veterans on tour of the older guys as well and it's a big group of men there and then in the women it's mainly made up of Aussies there's eight girls on tour out of the 16 with the two wildcards cards of 18 so it's heavily populated with girls which is amazing and they're going to push each other for sure to um yeah try and overcome the the USA girls at the moment they kind of had a really good 2019 so yeah I was super excited for this year and then obviously COVID hit but we'll see how things pan out once it kicks back into gear
0: how do you think the ct crew are feeling at the moment beat i imagine the younger guys would be struggling mentally just to work through this pandemic
1: oh definitely and they're the ones that are hurting the most especially yeah the rookies and just because you you fight so hard to get there and i know that they're just yeah they're just burning to have another go at it especially ethan but even morgan and jack robber you know you that's like your dream and then it gets taken away from you and like Bella she was a bit disheartened I guess to put in all those years of effort and then not happen but it's going to happen eventually it's just I think just being patient but then on the flip side you talk to Owen or Julian or Steph or um, they're just kind of lapping it up <laughs> yeah not um, they're really enjoying this time that they've never had in their life because like you said they're always packing their bags Looking at the next flight, they got to get on, and and it's just yeah, just on the merry-go-round, and it doesn't really stop. So, I think yeah, they're really uh, embracing this time that they've never had.
0: Now let's go back to your career. What a career it was! Thirteen years on the world tour. They're in the top five percent stats-wise of all time. Best result was two thousand eight, runner-up to the world. And you were talking before you didn't throw yourself in there because in <laughs> two thousand eight, behind you. That was a golden era, really, because you had Parker, you had Adriano, you had Mick and TB, all in that top five. When did you know your career from a junior to an elite athlete, when did you know you were right there?
1: Yeah, I was very fortunate to have a great career, and so many people helped out to make that happen. So I think uh, my first year on tour, when I was Uh, 20 I qualified when I was 21 so 22 I was kind of just yeah raw and my self-awareness probably wasn't there as much I'd just go out and compete and hope for the best and I actually was having amazing performances but just not closing out heats and uh, I wasn't probably taking care of my body and sleep and whatnot as much as I could have and I fell off tour that first year I was um, missed out by one spot And I was so dirty at myself for not putting in more effort. And then Richie got cancer, like, out of the blue, Mm. which was the heaviest thing ever, and shocked the whole surfing community. And, yeah, it was, like, I was absolutely devastated for him. But that unfortunate thing for himself opened up the door for me to go back on tour again.
0: Wow, I didn't know that, eh? I didn't know it was you that took the spot. That is...
1: Yeah. ...blows me away. Yeah, it's crazy, um... So yeah, I remember Renato calling me and I think it was in January, and everyone knew Richie was sick, but didn't know like how long it would take for him to get back or if, yeah, whatnot, or he'd hold his spot for a year or um, whatever. But yeah, obviously the cancer was super bad and had to um, yeah take a huge chunk out of his hip and replace it. And yeah, it ended his career right there and then. So I can't even imagine what he was going through. And, and for me, on the other hand, it was a it was a gift and a second chance for me to get back on tour and I don't know I just made a um, pact with myself to not um, get to the end of my career and think sh- should have I tried harder and from that yeah moment on I put so much effort into training and got surrounded um, with better people around me like Kong came in and was a mentor from then on and in my corner and really sharpened up my um, competitive tactical side of things and mental strength and yeah then started just climbing the ladder and yeah had a had a great few years but definitely looked up to obviously Mick and Joel just because I surfed against them as a kid as well and saw what they were doing and I was just wanted to try and even just get close to them on the rankings and yeah just found that real competitive side or smart competing side I, f- I guess i felt like i kind of had the formula for a few years there that i could get through heats um quite smartly
0: talking about you were saying that you came through with Mick and joel you're pretty young you were coming through the junior series i'm pretty sure i'm correct if you won the o and e in the only ever slalom <laughs> event you did i eh? yeah. do you remember that that yeah. was wild tf came to us and said look we're going to change the format up and i was commentating but do you know what? I actually reckon, as a fan, that was so fun to watch. Oh, it was weird, but yeah, it was. I remember Cause you got it, five minutes, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was. I remember as clear as day, like sitting there, and you only one person was in the in the uh, takeoff zone, and the rest of the order would wait on the side, and it was perfect um, venue for it at Narribin because you'd sit in the alley there. And then you'd just drift over if you saw him take off and then your five minutes would start. And sometimes, like, yeah, it would go a lot quicker than five minutes. If there was a set, you could just quick, quickly paddle over and get the next one behind him So, yeah, it worked out. I remember in oh, Sean Canstel was in the final, I think, Zahn Foxton and oh, I can't remember who else. But, yeah, I was like it was always my... Goal to obviously yeah win the win that O and E Pro Junior was the biggest event um, as a junior like coming 100%. through and I remember like even like Slater
0: won like Andy and won yeah like that as a junior event before really the junior series evolved that was the event that all the internationals came to win yeah exactly and yeah I know all the Aussies wanted to beat the internationals so
1: it was super cool for us to. Um, yeah, have that event and see how the rest of the world was surfing especially like the juniors were surfing to measure yourself against those crew and yeah that was definitely the biggest feather in my cap at um that stage of my career and kind of was a bit of a stepping stone to yeah getting more opportunities and and um yeah really driving that belief of yeah i could make a career of this
0: How important do you think, because you came through that system, the the pro juniors, how important was that to develop in your skill set and your ability to work within the boundaries of the heat?
1: Yeah, that's what all of us juniors that went through it and then made it on tour were just so grateful for that experience and learning how to travel, yeah, learning how to live on a budget. It was so much more than just the surfing side of things, like, I think it was, yeah, learning like how to be with mates and a competitor at the same time. Just life skills. So many life skills came from the junior series. And then you were surrounded by so many good surfers that you're always pushing your surfing in the free surfs. And and then in heats, you just, I don't know, it felt like you got on the QS and you were just already groomed and primed for it. And it was just another stepping stone. And then by the time you got to CT, it was just, yeah, like back of the hand stuff that you knew how to compete by then and um yeah it was I don't know it was I think it was huge for Australian surfing like I think one stage there was 22 Australians when it was top 45 there was 22 men on tour and all of them were like people that you'd surfed against on the junior series it was pretty nuts.
0: So moving forward in in, into the next stage of your career you had three wins on the CT you had uh Trestles you won pipe and you won in uh brazil yeah out of those three wins what's the most special win out of you out of your ct career definitely hawaii uh yeah it was it wasn't like
1: great pipe or anything but i think um when i won the triple crown that day like i don't know just being a kid and you always know hawaii's like the proving grounds of yeah where you really push your surfing and going there since I was a Grom, like, billabong days from 15, staying there for six weeks every year, like, all that, those hours you put in out there and catching not many waves. And so I think, yeah, that, um, getting chaired up the beach and on the stage and getting the Jerry Lopez board, that was was definitely my uh, pinnacle of competitive surfing for me.
0: Pipeline is a beast and one of the most dangerous waves on the planet. While you had success there in 2015, that same wave nearly ended your career after a horror wipeout where you fractured your pelvis. Talk us through that experience and the mammoth rehab program you put yourself through to get yourself back on tour.
1: Oh, (laughs) this gives me chills thinking about it again. Uh, Yeah, it was horrific. And yeah, Pipes, I don't know. Yeah, it's been so good to me and, and so terrible for me other times another time yeah i remember doggy doing one at a back door and blowing my eardrum out i think it was two years before that so yeah it's definitely um yeah rewarded me but also yeah floored me at the same time but that morning when i hurt my hip i was like second heat of the morning it was really raw big like unruly eight to ten foot first reef but it's just like had this worst morning sickness on it and i remember i was right on the cusp of top 10 and that was my goal for the year and i was just so amped on like wanting to reach that goal and i kind of waited a little bit in the heat to like trying to get my eye in for for a good inside ledge one yeah thought i was on this like perfect wave i'm well, not perfect but i thought i was on this sick insider um it was like eight foot had was under it and started paddling and then um i was only on a six five pretty short board but i wanted to be in and under them and just kind of late drop into the pit and it just as i was paddling i was in a good spot but then it lurched and the wave just like kind of um had this like jump in it and then i was grab railing like trying to knife it i'm like oh yeah i got this and then next thing i knew i was like the tail slipped out didn't grab and i was just yeah went sliding down the face then penetrated into the wave and i was just like oh no here we go that weightless weightlessness feeling and yeah just was one in the lip and just went back down and because it was so inside and so shallow it just pole drove me just bang straight into the bottom like perfectly seated and just like i was the like felt like i didn't even touch water just felt like i jumped off a couple of story building onto my butt and just sat me down and then i was like it didn't push me in or out it just sat me there and i was just like in the middle of the lip and it was just grinding me into the bottom like a waterfall or something and then just yeah just felt like this massive release of um or a crack and yeah it split the back of my uh pelvis and blew open at the front in my um and ripped my right hand side of the abs off as um, where it connects there and yeah had an open book pelvic fracture I thought I was going to be a paraplegic at that time when I was underwater I was just like no way this what the hell and yeah everything's just like slow-mo like a car crash and wriggled my toes and I was just like had relief of like oh thank god that yeah it's not spinal and came up and it was just yeah worse agony but then I was still in the middle of the impact zone got a couple more on the head and then the jet ski came over picked me up on the um put me on the sled and took me in and it was just yeah it was excruciating pain but like and this hot feeling in my stomach of um I knew something bad was happening and it was internal bleeding and it was, but so lucky the yeah, WSL had amazing uh staff on the beach and they um diagnosed it straight away put a pelvic fracture belt around there to close up the open book fracture which yeah can bleed out like two and a half liters of blood and you can die if you if i was in somewhere remote like yeah would have been in all sorts and could quite easily have died because i wouldn't have known what the hell happened to me and i don't think many (laughs) services would but yeah it was it was really bad it was super bad
0: how long was the recovery? One, you had to stay in Hawaii for a, quite a long time, didn't you?
1: Yeah. So yeah, got rushed in the ambulance straight into um, to Queen's Hospital. Yeah, didn't know what was going on. Really, I was so out of it. Had surgery straight away that afternoon, and then yeah, the next few days I can't really remember too much. I was just yeah, so like obviously on whacked, and the pain was so bad. So I was just super dosed up. On morphine yeah when I kind of got to have proper conversations it was I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital till I could get out of the bed into a wheelchair to fly home and then I couldn't fly without a nurse flying with me as well so yeah it was around Christmas time and I couldn't even get out of the bed couldn't didn't go to the toilet or have a shower or anything for seven days so it was it was super (laughs) gnarly It was super heavy, but eventually when I got out and was able to do therapy to just to get out of the bed into a wheelchair, and then they got a nurse from Canada to fly down to fly home with us, I think it was like 10 or so days, and then flew to Sydney, then got our own ambulance plane from Sydney to Corn straight to the hospital there for another two weeks, then had to get the house ramps and stuff built at the house, and all um occupational therapy stuff with a bed downstairs and commode and outdoor shower and whatnot because I couldn't walk for months after that I was in the wheelchair for two months and then on crutches for another two so I couldn't didn't walk for four months which was pretty crazy
0: mentally how tough was it to go back
1: it was pretty tough um for sure I remember I went back that end of the year that was a goal I set myself was to to make a return to to go front uh, my demons at pipe and and god it was only small Um, but i was definitely had trauma for sure like anytime in the whitewash if i felt i was getting tumbled and turned over even when i was body surfing when i wasn't surfing i'd get really freaked out and just didn't like to get in that that feeling of weightlessness and that took a couple of years to get over and but it felt really good to get back on the horse and to go out pipe and deal with it
0: you know we're talking about richie Lovett and his cancer in his interview he told me the freakiest story about um before he went to hawaii that year and he didn't tell any of the boys that he was in trouble right mm. he um he, he had some scans done um, he walked into us into the, the surgeon walked back in and he said so what do you do And Richie and Amanda were sitting in a chair and and he said, oh, I'm a pro surfer. I'm about to go to Hawaii. Can we wrap this thing up? Um, What's happening? And he went, so what else do you do? And Richie looked up and went, what do you mean? I just told you I'm a pro surfer. I'm about to go to Hawaii and surf pipeline. Can we we move this along? And he said, well, you're not a pro surfer anymore. Your career is done. So when he went to Hawaii that year, he knew – he was done. And what makes that story even more freaky is that he was determined to go out on his own terms. He wanted to surf pipe. But the surgeon said, if you hit that part of your body, it could explode that cancer right through your body. Wow. And he said he surfed the whole heat, terrified of taking off. And he said he came in and, and he said that there was thousands of people on the beach and they must have been looking at him going, this guy can't be a pro surf. He didn't even basically take off. But he was so terrified of that wave, because it is one of the most dangerous waves in the world, isn't it? And to mm-hmm. mentally be able to, you know, go out there and do what he did—it's pretty crazy, eh?
1: Oh, that's yeah. I
0: didn't. <laughs> did you know I,
1: that? I, I didn't know that the doctor told him that. I can't believe he paddled out. That's crazy. That year was pretty solid too. I wouldn't be able to surf with that in the back of my mind either. That's just nuts. That that would have taken a lot of courage to to be able to confront that and go out so yeah rich is yeah such an such an inspiration to me for what he's been through and yeah how he um carries himself
0: it's yeah that's insane on to uh what was your favorite wave
1: uh cloud break that's some think.
0: good results there oh
1: huh? uh, no it was wasn't i i kind of would go alright there I had a few quarters, quarters and, yeah yeah nothing like it was probably the only spot that i'd never uh i think it was the lowest um result at event all the tour stops that i had i think everywhere else i made a, a semi or a final so which was kind of ate me up a bit but i think just love that wave of i don't know it's just such a unique wave of so much power but it's can be so perfect and the whole well, i don't know getting a boat out there and just uh being on the island with all the aussies and just the Fijian people and, like, everything kind of made up that event and and that was, yeah, my favourite um, for sure. Other than that, probably, I don't know, it was always good surfing snapper. That was probably second favourite.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, for me, you looked so at ease at snapper. It looked like it suited the way you surfed and just you were able to really have a great rhythm in the ocean when it came to that break. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable at snapper for sure and just i don't know i moved off north australia when i was 20 and um when i wanted to really hone in on making the qs and and but in the back of my mind i I, I wanted to um put in the hours out snapper so then when i made the ct i could get results there and and yeah definitely paid off just just surfing at all tides um just getting familiar with lineups and what not on different angles as well and and knowing what kind of turns scored well there as well and the right equipment as well so just probably yeah all the preparation i put in there kind of paid off
0: with your career if you had one heat you could sort of really focus in on what was the best heat you ever had in your career and why
1: straight up would be um tahiti in i can't remember what year it was when it was massive um in the quarterfinals against ace bucken it was the highest heat i'd ever had too i got a 10 and a 9.83 uh it was flawless um yeah chobes ace had two nines as well and it was not a drop of water out of place like eight to ten foot just i don't know and it was like i was super scared but i i don't know i just felt like yeah, went past the fear of yeah, what the consequences were and wanted to just get that rush of getting sick battles. So that was for me definitely the best heat I've had, um, and waves I've ever had in a heap, sure.
0: Everyone has rivals. You're a pretty easygoing kind of guy. Did you was there anyone on tour who you really had a strong rivalry with over the years? Uh, who you love to beat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: definitely joel for a little bit (laughs) for a few years yeah Us was like that yeah (laughs) we had um yeah a bunch of heats and yeah he i don't know we just i guess because we're both queenslanders and both um we just kept meeting up and yeah we just have so many yeah heated battles like not not heated um aggressive but just like just being really competitive with each other and and just wanted to beat each other and and i remember one of the heats at snapper it was in the quarters in 06 i think it was oh sorry 07 yeah we we it was pumping snapper and we were both sat behind the rock and would not give <laughs> let up who wanted to let, give up the inside and let so many good waves go through it was kind of everyone on the beach must have been off us and uh, we finally, yeah, moved into the lineup and had a sick heat. I think we both had really high heat totals and I ended up um, beating him and obviously he would have been pretty spewing. But I don't know what our totals, like... our wins, Match, it, your matchups ups Yeah, match-ups were overall. But I remember for about two years there, we just kept meeting up all the time, like in the quarters or um, whatnot. And, yeah, just had so many battles against each other. It was... It was crazy. That was before he yeah gone on to get his title too. So I don't know. It was just and then the same like he had him with Otto too. I think he he kind of thrives on like yeah wanting to beat certain people sometimes.
0: (laughs) Was there anyone on tour that you you used to match up against and and you just struggled like not because you know they were better or whatever. It's just you just come up against certain people. You go oh god. Do you struggle against anyone out there?
1: Oh definitely. Gabby for sure at the back end of my career he I don't know he I had so many heats with him and he was just he's definitely the gnarliest competitor I've ever surfed against like Kelly was gnarly but Gabby's a whole nother level I feel he pushes things to break and like he broke me a few times in heats where I just get so hot-headed and like forget even what I was doing just because it would like niggle me that bad and and, like, he's had the rules changed, like, three times um, just because he pushes the boundaries. And, I don't know, when he, like, like, we had a heat at Bells and he had priority at the end and he went and sat pretty much at the end and went left on me, like, on, and they changed it because of that because it was just, like, I don't know, I was just furious, just, like, why can't we just, like, just battle it out, like, surfing. And Chopes, he did it, like, he was sitting so close to me and like... Um, as i'd swing i'd kept bumping into him so it was like really hard to position properly but it, he was doing what he was allowed to do inside the rule book at the time so hats off to him he's a, he's just a gnarly competitor but it definitely it used to um rattle my cage and like i can't say too many people used to do that to him